two, four, six, eight. I believe that most people want accessibility to be a basic right. Um, but when they haven't experienced accessibility barriers or been excluded, I think people just struggle to understand what inaccessibility feels like, what inaccessibility looks like. And I think even just struggle to discuss what accessibility even is. So I thought I'd tell them. Uh, my name's Carrie. I live with a terminal degenerative neurological illness that is basically eating its way through my brain. But this isn't about that. I've decided to use my time to make the world a bit more accessible. So join me and we're going to share all things accessibility because basically I'm spending my time being a bit of an annoying accessibility obsessive. So this week it's just me. Uh, my name's Carrie. Um, when I became disabled, I was really ignorant and presumed that the world was way more accessible than it actually is. Um, and I think that's really the position that I want to take in this. This podcast isn't about calling anyone out. I don't want to cancel anyone. I don't want to shame anybody. I just really want people to realize that inaccessibility exists, ableism exists, and that we can all pull together and we can change that for the better. For me, um, when I talk about accessibility, accessibility is really more than just a ramp, a door. And that's great. I want you know accessibility if that's where you start. But to me, accessibility is a mindset. It's not about just including disabled people. It's about inviting them in and really valuing everybody in every space, be it online, be it in a physical building. I'm recording this in the middle of COVID. So the idea of ever being allowed back into a physical space again is kind of crazy. It's is really fundamentally easy and relatively cheap. And I think that a lot of the fear around accessibility is people don't know how to talk about it. I think we live in a world now where having a discussion about accessibility really opens up um, if be maybe cancelled or called out for doing something wrong. And I'm really not coming at it from that. What inaccessibility and what accessibility barriers feel like, just so that people can really start to see the world through the lens of, of my experience. I'm going to have other people, really awesome people, come on and share their experience of, it, of accessibility. And there's not a lot that I can really do by myself, but together we can all change the world. And I just hope that, that when, when my time's up, when I, when I pass on from this illness, that I leave behind a world that is a little bit more accessible and a little bit more willing to, to recognise that accessibility barriers don't have to exist. We're allowing them to exist and we're choosing for them to be there. So the other thing that I'm going to use this space for is um, I um, often joke, I find the world quite funny in a lot of ways, which I think sometimes gets me into trouble. Um, I always joke that... Uh, if I could just get one person who looks really good in a bikini and has like millions of followers on Instagram to really care about accessibility for one day, we change the world. Now, um, I don't have millions of followers on Instagram. <laughs> I don't really like Instagram that much. I kind of, I don't know, I just don't really get it. And I don't really look that good in a bikini. But to become accessible is this really difficult, lengthy kind of extra step that they have to take. And that's not really the truth at all. And I think the other sort of argument that I hear from a lot of people is that they sort of think well who really cares and this podcast I really want to sort of challenge why we need to normalize accessibility why when that becomes the norm you know I think in the future we're going to look back and be like well gosh why did it take us so long because accessibility is about making things better for all humans it's not about just making things better for the disability community um so this week 
Um, I sort of wasn't really sure who looked best in a bikini. <laughs> I don't really sit and think about those things very often. Um, and so this week I am going to be um, doing a little message focusing on uh, Miss Kim Kardashian because I did a quick Google search and apparently she uh, is the number one for looking hot in a bikini according to Google. I'm not quite sure um, who was behind that study or where it originates from. But, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about her um, and I did a little bit of research and realized that she's a really awesome human being. She's doing lots of work around like prison reform and um, I heard her on um another podcast that she was chatting about kind of the need for prisoner rights and and she's she's doing a lot of really cool stuff she's in law school as well which I wasn't aware of and um, I've never watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians and I'm not going to start but I'm really going to kind of start with her because I think we live in a world now where there are a few key individuals that lead the way particularly on social media and if they became accessible if they demanded the, the the bar was set at we are going to be inclusive and we are going to be accessible the rest of the world would follow them and we'd very quickly normalize accessibility and the main one that I'm going to kind of start on really is image descriptions so for me I use assistive tech um, to communicate um, I genuinely my preferred one is uh, is talk to text technology which means that I talk my words come on the screen so I, I can't physically type anymore um, but when I scroll through um, say Instagram for example I rely on image descriptors because my the portion of my brain that um, kind of commutes images struggles to understand by looking at something so it kind of needs a little bit of prompting but I won't go into a kind of all my medical needs really but image descriptions um, are very easy to do um, I'm going to put a load of resources up on, on our website, demandaccessibility.com, and just really go through, maybe play this to her or, or somebody close by, but here we go. So, hi, Kim Kardashian. Um, I'm going to be completely 100% honest. I don't know much about you, um, other than the fact that you look amazing, um, but I heard you on um, a podcast recently, and you seem like a really sweet soul. Um, my kind of plea to you, I suppose, just woman to woman, um, as if you would consider leading the way in accessibility. Um, it would take you or your social media team, because I'm quite sure that somebody of your statement has a social media team, about 40 seconds extra per post um, to make your posts accessible. And it would normalize accessibility in a huge way. I'm just a, a random person. I don't have a huge following. You know, I live a very simple, small life. But you've been blessed with a huge platform. And I just ask you to consider to take accessibility by in your hands and to create blah, blah, blah. Say that again. Oh, okay, go. Um, so, hi, Kim Kardashian. Um, you don't know me. Accessibility in a way that I and other individuals like me can't. Please consider using your platform to lead the way in accessibility. Sending my gratitude, Carrie Williams. Now I'm going to share really kind of my story around um, accessibility um, and sort of what really made me realize ableism was a like a wow and live and kicking. Um, so I, you know, as a, you know, this isn't about, I don't want to shame anybody and I'm, I'm not going to name and shame anybody or any businesses at all. And this, this isn't the point of this. The point of this 
podcast just, just to say that we can make the world much easier. And when we make the world much easier for disabled people, we also make the world better for all humans. Um, you know, the situation for me was actually when I'm, I went to get a wedding license and we called ahead. So basically, I can't hold a pen. And um, in the country that I reside, you, you are required to sign your name and, and complete a form. So we called ahead to explain you know, that I was disabled. I had a note from the, the neuro team um, explaining my disability, you know, had given fair warning. We went in. It's kind of your standard government building, you know, nice little ramp up to it or sort of thought oh she doesn't know quite what to do and maybe doesn't have this situation every day of the week um she asked us to go and sit down in, in a waiting area and, and bear in mind this was in the middle of covid so you know you're sort of there's perspex glass everywhere and you're you know you can't touch anybody and you have to be sanitized from head to toe and all of that carry on so we went and sat down and um himself got out his phone and we were kind of I don't know looking at things on on his phone and you suddenly realized that quite a lot of time was passing and this woman hadn't come back to you know her two she's two meters ahead of us and it's all sort of you know like out of some sort of zombie apocalypse movie and then she stopped and said that I was to go into another room and I thought this was a bit strange but didn't think too much of it presumed that maybe it was I don't know they needed me to sign as best I could in front of another witness or something and anyway she opened the door and I walked in and there were two police officers and I, I was surprised at the time but I wasn't as shocked as other people might have been because I've now experienced so much ableism in my life that nothing really surprises me. And what I've learned the most about being a disabled woman is if you really want to freak people out, piss them off, you know, make them lose their mind is to be in a relationship because him with me and he was then taken out to a, another room and I was brought in and these police officers, you know, were very friendly and very, oh, you know, how are you? How are things? Let's have a little chat. What's going on? And nobody said the words, like nobody spoke the words they all kind of danced around the subject but the basic thought the basic concern that was normally I don't know I must must have made them think I was a lot more wealthy than I actually am because it's not like I have loads of assets sort of sitting around um but they kind of went through those and you know was I there of my own free will was I feeling pressured how long have we known each other you know the usual kind of uh, questions that disabled individuals unfortunately have to answer because when we're in a relationship I my and this is just based on my my experience I think people consider himself as either a godlike creature it's like oh bless that man for taking on her and the burden that she's going to bring to his life and he deserves a medal you know for, for taking on that disabled girl or they think he's scum of the earth and that he's only after me for my money, um, which I'd say he probably has more in the bank than I do at this point. Um, and I think that because nobody discusses interabled relationships and because nobody's really talking about that, it's kind of this subject that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. We allow these things to happen. We allow ableism. How do I complete you know, this form? I can't hold a pen. And ultimately was told, well, there's no way for you to make a complaint. So, you know, in this tech world where, you know, you can basically do everything online, 
apparently I wasn't allowed to make a complaint online. It had to be, you know, I don't know, do they want me to go and take a quill out or something and apply like that? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think for me, that experience, it taught me two things. It taught me that ableism exists and it taught me that I need to start telling my story and I need to start getting other people's stories out there because ableism isn't going away. If we just allow people to say, I'm I'm an ally to the disability community, and we don't hold them kind of to account about what that means, what that looks like, how they are removing accessibility barriers, then it's just words, it's just fluff. And you know, that I'm not some sort of radical, you know, advocate or anything like that. I'm just a normal girl that just got a shitty disease. But really, I, I want to live in a world where everybody gets hurt. And I think that that's really what motivates me. And, you know, the more I thought about it and the more I joked that, you know, there are certain people on this planet that could really make accessibility the norm and accessibility resources just standard, um, the more I realized that I wasn't just going to joke about it and realize about accessibility and how easy it is to do, um, I decided that that here we'd go. We'd start off by uh, calling on Miss Kim Kardashian and see if, uh, if by any chance anyone would uh, be able to just have a little chat with her and say, could you use your online presence to to highlight how easy accessibility is by 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 doing it, by making your platform accessible to everybody, not just those that are blessed with the ability um, to type and to see. where we make Captivate.fm and if you're listening to this and you're not a Captivate user already then I'm urging you to give it a whirl. Find out why podcasters across the world are choosing Captivate. Dive Q&A yesterday. We run these in our private Facebook group. You have to be a rebel-based media podcaster using Captivate podcast websites or the growth tier of the academy to be a part of that one. So thank you to everyone that turned up to that. It was great to see so many people launching and growing their shows. Just one more benefit First and foremost, a huge thank you to my great friend, Mr. Ryan Gray. This guy is just an absolute machine. He's a legend at what he does. He's the most fantastic content creator that I I know, all right? He's absolutely fantastic, and he's built a fantastic uh, business. We've known each other for a long time, but we had a very random serendipitous meeting in an elevator in New York City, which was very, very bizarre. So I'm going to talk to you about that uh, in person over a beer one day. But Ryan, thanks for the uh, inspiration, bro. We've got Adbark and Navest back into the platform, the product, and the team, which is why we are delighted to be able to announce now that we have a new superb full-time casters with their podcasts. And this is an enhancement is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Danny Brown. Now, if you have been inside the Rebel Base Media Podcaster Support and Experience Group for any length of time, you will know and captivate to work together. So welcome to the team, Mr. Danny Brown. We appreciate you. We are really, really excited to welcome you alongside a experience team. Also, a huge announcement that I'm so excited of Thunderbirds, Fireball XL5, so many different amazing bits of pop culture IP that you already know. And Jamie and uh, Nicholas Briggs, who's the voice of the Daleks in Doctor Who since its relaunch, is 
in the team on for a while, supporting them through this build, through this launch. And the cast is just unbelievable, all right? You've got Genevieve Gaunt, you've got Sasha Dewan, you've got Patterson Joseph, and so many, many more amazing talents. The graphics are fantastic. The audio is fantastic. Here at Captivate with Jamie Nicholas and the Big Finish Productions team, it's amazing to be a part of the Jerry Anderson team tune. Stingray, Stingray. I used to love it. It used to scare me to death watching the Mr. Runs. Mistral is just an honour for me personally and also for the Captivate team. So um, that's an amazing announcement that I'm delighted. A little bit of behind the scenes as well with Jamie and Nicholas Briggs in the studio. So it's quite an interesting release. What all the fuss is about with Captivate, do go and check it out at Captivate.fm. And until the next time, much love and just keep on talking. I'll see you on the next deep dive session, which is in a couple of weeks. And... If you're a Captivate seminar, I'm really looking forward to announcing the speakers for that this week, all right? So keep on talking. This is Podcraft, where we're honing the art of podcasting. On today's show, we're talking microphones, that oft-debated topic in podcasting. What type of microphone do you need? What's the best type to get? How much do you need to spend? We're talking about it all on Podcraft. Hey folks and welcome again to Podcraft, the short, sharp, bite-sized show giving you just what you need to make your podcast the best it can be and reach as many ears as possible. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, this is the start of series two, so we've got new title music, new everything, new format. So it's a short show. We're going to be looking at uh, 10, 15 minute episodes, giving you just what you need at the given time. Uh, it's just basically to try and fit into a niche within the podcasting podcast, because there's a lot of podcasting podcasts out there. So I thought I'd try and do something a little bit different, give you something nice, short and sharp. Things you can just listen to on a, a little journey or uh, even just pull it out when you're cooking your dinner or something like that. But yeah, we'll try it out. Let me know what you think and uh, hopefully it can help you out a bit with your podcasting efforts. So if you're a current subscriber, you know last series, series one, we talked about beginners podcasting. So essentially it was a series of 10 episodes uh, aimed at getting you started in podcasting from the very start right up to having your first couple of episodes released. So I hope you found that useful if you did listen. If you didn't and you want to go uh, through that process, if you're just thinking about launching just now, then by all means go back and listen to that again. You can find us on thepodcasthost.com forward slash podcraft. Uh, you can go on there and you can find that series at any point. So by all means, go back and have a listen. On this series, series two, we're going to be looking at podcasting equipment. So it's one of the most common questions I get on the site at the podcast host. It's what kind of equipment do I need? What are my minimum setups? What is it that I need to create my podcast? And I am of the opinion, possibly against some, that uh, generally it doesn't matter what equipment you've got as long as you start going. So just start podcasting. It's more about your content. But then as you move along, as you get better, as your content uh, improves, as your presentation uh, skills improve and as um, your audience grows, then you want to be moving on to better equipment. So uh, this series is all about uh, looking at the beginner's equipment, what you need to start with, the other types of equipment you can get as you go through your podcasting journey. So the kind of upgrades you can get, the different types of podcasting you can do, different podcasting applications, right up to the expert level. So we're going to be looking at all the types of equipment that you need to podcast right up to a professional studio level. So I hope you find that useful. On this episode in particular, we're going to look at microphones because they are the first element in the, the audio chain. Uh, probably have the biggest effect on the quality of your audio. So like I say, microphones are always hotly debated. 
partially because it actually depends a lot on your voice. So one microphone uh, can be excellent for one person, whereas it might not be so good for another. Uh, So it does depend on a little bit on your voice, a little bit on how you sound. Uh, But generally, you can rely on the fact that some microphones are generally are mostly better than others. Uh, So uh, we'll talk through a few good ones uh, from entry level right up to expert level. And we can see what uh, might suit yourself. If there is a place close by, though, that you can try out some microphones, then that's always the best thing you can do. Pop into an audio shop, pop into a music shop of some sort, try out a few different microphones and see what you think sounds best with your voice. But like I said, if you follow the uh, the reviews here, uh, find them anywhere else on the web as well. You generally can't go wrong if you find quite a few people talking uh, highly or praising highly certain types of microphones. Now, a little caveat at the start, of course, many podcasts actually record with uh, co-hosts, so more than one person and possibly in different locations. So at that point, you can end up with the situation where one person is recording or is actually doing the, uh, the storage of the, uh, the recording, whereas uh, the other person is sort of <laughs> on the other end of a Skype call or a Google Hangout call. In that case, many times the connection quality can actually be more important than your microphone. Uh, So it's worth getting a good microphone anyway, especially if it's a headset mic. So upgrading from your standard crappy uh, headset mic up to a decent quality headset mic. Uh, And I'll go into headset mics in particular at some point in the series. But um, just to be aware of the fact that even a great microphone on the other end of a bad Skype connection, uh, it doesn't really save that, uh, that call. It can still be pretty bad quality. But if you're recording by yourself in a studio, just like I am right now, then a great quality microphone could come across because there's no uh, internet connection that'll get in the way. You're just recording straight from your mic into uh, whatever system it is that's capturing your voice. So like I said at the start, microphones probably have the biggest effect on the audio quality you have. Basically, it's the microphone that uh, captures your voice and it translates it from those physical sound waves that you're, you're expelling out your mouth into digital bits and bytes. So a good mic can cost hundreds of pounds but luckily there's uh, there's quite a few affordable ones out there as well so let's get started on the entry-level podcasting mics now the first one i'm going to go through is called the samson go mic and this is one that i started out with actually this is one i had in the really early days this was my first upgrade from uh, a really bad headset mic now the samson go mic is a great little microphone that's usb only uh, it's a funny little device because it comes with its own little mounting clip. So it's quite a small little microphone that kind of folds up within its mounting clip. But uh, you can uh, it comes with a, a screw as well. So you can mount it onto a mic uh, stand or you can actually clip it to add uh, to something else. I used to end up clipping it to my laptop screen so that I could read my script below uh, where the microphone was actually mounted. But it's a great little thing for Skype, actually. It's a nice one to enhance your Skype experience because you can just stick it onto your laptop, have it recording your voice, uh, and it's good as a, a co-host. If you're on the other end of a Skype call, it's a great device for upgrading your um, your audio quality in that situation. So the Samsung Go mic tends to come in at around £40. Uh, so it's not very expensive. That works out about $60, I think, these days. So it's probably the bottom level that you can come in at just now. On the other hand, seeing that, for just a little bit more, around 10 to £20 more or 10 to $20 more, you can upgrade to uh, a microphone that's been talked about quite a lot right now. 
and that is the ATR2100. Now, I'm finding this being recommended all over the shop just now, and I think that's for good reason. It's a really versatile little beast, uh, being both XLR and USB, uh, and it's a, a pretty significant quality increase over a cheap headset mic, or even the uh, the Samsung um, Go mic. So the key thing here, though, is that that dual output means that in the early days, you can plug it directly into your computer. So you can record straight into GarageBand or Audacity using that USB connection. But then later on, when you get yourself a mixer or a decent digital recorder, you can change over to XLR. So it's got both those outputs. The other benefit is that you can back up your recordings by sending to both. So you can record to USB and XLR at the same time and make sure that if one of the devices crashes, that means you've got a copy of your session on the other. So the ATR2100 is fine for uh, those US podcasters out there, but it's really hard to get here in the UK and uh, elsewhere, I believe. Um, but there's a guy, uh, Mike Phillips, who you probably have heard of. He's an expert in uh, microphones. He did a breakdown of um, a mic called the uh, Samsung Q2U, uh, and he found it to be near identical uh, to the uh, the ATR2100. So if you're non-US based, you can get the, the Q2U uh, as, uh, well, as an alternative to the ATR2100, and I can see it on uh, Amazon right now. Um, at about the same price. So it comes in at about £50 RRP, although I've seen it a little bit less on Amazon, so that's a great alternative. So that's probably the best entry-level microphone you can get if you can stretch to that £50 mark. Now, a quick little interlude here before we go into the next level microphones, those sort of pro-level or, or sub-pro-level microphones. And that is the question, do you need a condenser microphone for podcasting? Condenser microphones are something that you'll uh, probably have heard of if you've looked into mics at all. So, if you want that extra level of depth to your podcast, it might well be worth going for a condenser. Condensers work in an, a really different, um, pretty much unfathomable way, but uh, it's nice to say they introduce a higher level of quality to your recordings. Uh, however, and this is the key, that only applies in the right context. So the problem with condensers is because of their sensitivity, uh, condensers tend to pick up a lot of background noise. So that means that you need a nice, quiet recording environment to take advantage of the quality that those condensers are offering. Uh, they also tend to be a lot more fragile, so they're no good if you're going to be carrying it around in your bags. If you're off traveling and recording on the move quite often, then a condenser probably is not for you. The other disadvantage is that condenser microphones need external power. So it's called phantom power. Uh, this normally comes through uh, a, a power supply through your mixing desk, your digital recorder, or sometimes a battery in the mic itself. Uh, digital recorders or mixing desks are good investments themselves because they provide a lot more flexibility, but I mean, that's more money uh, and we'll talk about that in future. But to be honest, for most podcasting setups, mixers tend to be overkill. Certainly in the early days, anyway. So essentially, if you want the best quality, but to plan, but you plan to only record from your desk using a mic stand with a very quiet environment, then a condenser microphone could be great for you. You can get really good um, extra quality richness to your voice using that microphone. Um, and a good example of an entry level condenser is uh, from Samsung as well. Samsung as well, sorry, Samsung CO1 Studio condenser mic. Um, so if you want to try out condensers on a budget, then that could be the way to go. Of course, the alternative to condensers, the, the versus comparison is the dynamic microphone. Uh, dynamic mics are essentially the opposite of everything I've described above. They, they record a much narrower, well not much, sorry, they record a, a narrower range of frequencies, so you can sound a little bit less rich. 
they record less surrounding noise, so you have to be right up close to the mic. But because of both of those features, they can be lovely and quiet, uh, and they definitely forgive much worse recording environments, which most people's recording environments fall into. So if you're recording at home, just in your computer room, your office, or even just in your house somewhere, then you don't have a great recording environment, and therefore a dynamic mic is almost certainly better for you. So having covered that comparison, let's move on to the high quality podcasting mics. So when I say high quality, I'm talking high for your average recording studio. The mics in this section are within the normal podcaster's budget and they provide great quality recordings to boot. Uh, So I plan to add pro level mics um, to the site in future, uh, such as, you know, the the one that every podcaster talks about and dreams about, which is the Heil PR40 in future. But I mean, these things cost a lot of money. And I think uh, by the time you're getting to the stage of buying something like that, you know enough about mics to not need my advice. So um, I'm just going to talk about the lower level ones now, maybe around the 100 to 200 mark, uh, whereas the Heil often comes in about 300 or so. So what have we got in this area? First of all, we've got the Blue Yeti. So this is a USB condenser mic that's been used by podcasters and general audio producers the world over. Um, So that's the Blue Yeti USB microphone and it's normally around £125, uh, although it's quite often discounted to under £100 on Amazon, but not reliably. I think in dollars it actually comes in about the same. So you guys in the US get it for a lot cheaper than us. You get it for about $100 or less. So the Blue Yeti offers excellent quality audio thanks to its condenser capsules. Uh, it's an amazing, amazingly easy to use bit of kit um, with its plug and play USB. Uh, that is an advantage in itself since it bypasses a sound card in your computer, making sure you get the best quality recording, no matter what equipment your computer sports uh, in the form of sound cards and the like. Lastly, the Blue Yeti comes with its own stand, uh, so it's a good step if you want to jump in at the higher end and not have to worry about accessories like stands and the like. The Blue Yeti also has a bunch of other features, such as a gain a gain um, knob on the mic itself, so you can adjust it straight from the mic. It's got a pass-through for your headphones, so you can put it straight into the mic and monitor it that way. Plus, it's got a few different um, capture uh, patterns. So you've got a choice between cardoid patterns and others. Uh, so you can actually set it up to do exactly what you want to do, whether it's just a solo recording, cutting the background noise, or it's a group of you all sitting around it. So it's a really good mic uh, and worth a look if that's the type of thing you're looking for. Next one, and this is the one that I use myself, and that is the MXL 990. So at this level, you can get some really good quality condenser microphones. Uh, so yeah, like I said, the MXL 990 is my own. And I uh, have this mounted on my desk on a, a little um, jam stand, short mic stand. It comes in generally around 80 quid. Uh, so that's uh, a bit cheaper than the blue mic. Obviously, you have to have some other kit to, kit to go with it. For example, it won't work without a mixer or a digital recorder or at least a a USB converter. So it needs phantom power to to work. But I mean, you can have it uh, in a minimum setup such as uh, the XLR straight into a digital recorder missing out the mixer. So there are options. But uh, if you want to move up to this level, I really recommend the MXL990. Great quality mic, and that's the one I use for this podcast and others all the time. I've heard plenty of other people enthuse about the uh, the 990 as well, such as uh, Rob from Podcast 411. So I know I'm in good company here. 
Now, the last on my list and uh, probably the top level I'm going to talk about here, not quite up uh, with the uh, the Heil PR40, although I have heard that argued that this is at least as good a mic for less money, and that is the Rode Procaster. So uh, the Procaster is an absolutely excellent dynamic podcast mic. So it comes with all those advantages that I've uh, mentioned dynamic mics come with before. Uh, but the price is creeping up a little bit when you include the stand, the shock mount, um, and the like. Now, this is an XLR mic, uh, so it does require phantom power, but you get some great quality that goes along with it. So if you can get yourself a cheap um, mixer, such as uh, a little Bellinger or something like that, you can uh, you can plug it into that. Uh, it's even got a built-in pop filter, so you've got a little help with your plosive, so it saves you a bit of cash that way. An alternative, of course, if you don't want to have to buy the mixer, the digital recorder, whatever, is the Rode Podcaster. Now, the Rode Podcaster, the very similar mic, but it's a USB output, so you can put it straight into uh, your computer and uh, record right into Audacity or whatever digital audio workstation you're working with. I would say the choice between the two is right down to expandability. So the Podcaster will always just be a USB mic. You'll only be able to, ever be able to plug it into uh, into your computer or into your iPad or similar. Whereas the Procaster can become part of a really expensive, good quality mixing setup later on if you want to. Uh, so you can upgrade it to uh, a really good quality mixer, mic preamps, all that type of stuff and get great quality out of it without having to change your mic in future. So it's up to yourself whether you think you're going to go that way um, um, but either way, they're not ridiculously expensive mics. They're only a little bit more than the Blue Yeti at around £130-£140 in the UK, probably around 200 or so in the US. So let's tie it up now. The two factors that determine what microphone you should go for, I think, are your recording environment and your budget. So buy as expensive a podcast mic as you can afford, as with anything else, I suppose. The more you spend, the better quality you'll get. Um, but I do think that only goes up to a point. You can spend hundreds, but you need a lot of knowledge and more professional support equipment to take advantage of the quality offered by someone like the Heil PR40. I would say save that for a couple of years down the line when you've become an audio production guru and stick with someone like the Blue Yeti or the Rode Podcaster for now. Uh, I think the question between dynamic and condenser comes down to only and solely where you normally record and how much kit you want to use. So obviously you need more kit for the condenser uh, and you also need a better quality studio environment. You will get better quality sound out of it, but only if you're in the right context in that really quiet room with good kit to support it. I think above and beyond all of that though is don't let this stuff stop you recording. Don't let worrying about the quality of your microphone, the quality of your kit stop you just putting some content out there. The best thing you can do beyond uh, better than getting better quality kit is to improve your presenting. So just practice, 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 put out podcasts, get better at speaking, better at content, better at writing, all that kind of stuff. Better content will attract more listeners and then you can move up to the better kit after that. Okay, so thanks for listening. So that ties up episode one of series two, all about podcast microphones. This has been a little bit longer than I'll hope the future ones will be. So we're on 18 minutes just now, but I think I did a little bit of an introduction to the series at the start. So it probably evens up a little bit. I just want to say, I'd love to get your feedback, love to get your questions. I want to hear what you want to know about podcasting and I want to hear what you like and what you don't like about this podcast. So get in touch at colin at thepodcasthost.com or leave a comment on the show notes. You can find this podcast at